Hello, and a warm welcome to the Northern Grower podcast. My name is Erin, and I am an educator, homesteader, and gardener here in Alberta, Canada. I garden in a Zone 3 climate, and here in our small homestead, we have a small-scale business, we produce seeds for sale, we grow vegetables and flowers. I created this podcast as a place to share my passion and help educate others to grow their homesteads and gardens, increase their self-sufficiency, and also as a bit of a creative outlet for others to connect with and for myself. Even if you are not a cold climate or a northern or Canadian grower, feel free to stick around. Not only do I discuss gardening topics for cold climate growers, but this season I will be sharing homestead life, stories, history of agriculture episodes, and some plant lore along the way. So thanks for being here. Today I will be discussing a berry that I think many gardeners and homesteaders have long held as a steadfast for cold climate growing. However, I have seen it grow in popularity. There are now several picks in my area focusing on this berry, and there seems to be more of a demand for it. And that is, of course, the glorious Haskap berry. Currently, the Haskap is gaining a lot of clout and attention because it is very hardy. It grows well at zone 3. In fact, I believe it is hardy down to zone 2 or 1B. So it is an amazing option for northern Canadian growers. And not only is it fantastic to have something that grows well in our zones, in our climates, but it also tastes great and is very nutritious. It's also very little effort and fairly easy to maintain. So that's always a huge perk as well. So let's take a little dive into some of the history and stories surrounding the Haskap berry. Now, for me, there's not a whole lot of stories when I was researching any lore or history surrounding it, um, but there are some interesting background information on the name Haskap and how it was used traditionally, but not a whole amount. But we'll take a look at what I could find available today. So Haskap berries, or really varieties of them are actually native to um, Canada's boreal forests, the native across Northern America and Northern Asia and uh, Siberia. But you can't, they can be found in the boreal forest here, um, not the cultivated variety that you would be familiar if you search it up or if you grow them yourself. But all, they are a wilder, smaller, um, more bitter counterpart. So although they grow wild here, we tend to um, eat and know the more modern cultivar that is just more palatable. And that is named the Haskap. That's That got the name the Haskap berry. Although some other names you might have heard of it are honeyberries or edible honeysuckle. So like I said, Haskaps are native to Northern Asia and the name Haskap comes from Japan. And the, I think it's the Ainu, Ainu people named the fruit Haskap, which means many fruits on branches. And they really revered and enjoyed the berry. It was touted as the berry of long life and good vision. Um, and it was well known amongst these people 
you know, it was long eaten, it was long prized by them because of its supposed health benefits. And word of that got around, and so more people in Japan started to cultivate this berry. And of course, once people start cultivating it, they start selecting for um, the more sweeter kind, not the bitter wild kind. And so you start to get those, uh, those newer cultivars that gardeners are creating coming in. Um, and, you know, it was long known for being not only tasty, but for its health benefits. So it's actually high in vitamin C and it has one of the highest anthocyanin content found in fruit. So it's a deep purple color and that um, that compound gives berries their purple color and it's supposedly an antioxidant, which are purported to have very good nutritional and health benefits. So, you know, the health of this berry has long been, it's long been known about, it's long been around. And it's only just really in the last, I would say like five to 10 years that it started really getting well known, especially with people who are really into the health industry. It's currently being researched for um, in sport medicine um, for its effects into potential endurance and muscle recovery in athletes, which is pretty interesting. But like I said, that's a current research that's underway. There's nothing I don't think that's really come out of it yet. Um, but traditionally, it was used in folk medicine and it would have been dried as a powder and all parts of the plant were used, the bark, the leaves, the berries, the flowers. And it was typically used as a rinse for throat problems like the flu, sore throat, respiratory issues. It was also ingested to help with gastrointestinal disorders. And it was also used in a warm hot bath treatment um, for things like rheumatoid arthritis. So anything like that, you could make a bath out of it to soothe, to soothe that. It was also used typically as well. It was believed to have helped with the treatment of anemia, hypertension, and osteoporosis. So it does have a long history of being used in traditional folk medicine. And then, like I said, now um, modern medicine and scientists are looking at the health benefits for our diet and also at the effects of it on muscle recovery and endurance in athletes. So you can imagine in Japan that they've slowly been, people have slowly been creating this more modern cultivar. They're enjoying the Haskap. Um, and the modern cultivar actually arrived. So the type of Haskap that we typically garden, that we would associate with a Haskap, it actually arrived in Canada around the 1950s. And these modern cultivars were given the name Haskap as a nod to the origins of the native berry that was so beloved in Japan. So they kept the modern cultivar's name Haskap. And what they are, the modern cultivar that we can grow in our gardens, they are shrub-like bushes around five to seven feet in height. And what makes them so wonderful is that they are one of the first berries of the season 
and they set fruit well into the season, into the fall. So they are one of the first to fruit and then they also last typically all summer long into the fall. Um, but most times if you're harvesting, you would harvest probably around late June to mid-July or even the end of July, depending on your season, where you are, that type of thing. And so for growers, if you are thinking about a hascap, I highly recommend. They're perennial, they have no thorns, they're so hardy, the berries are easy to pick. Like you can put tarp on the ground and just shake the bush and the berries will just fall off. They aren't, they don't hang on to the plant too much. Um, they don't spread around the garden like raspberries. There's a little bit less maintenance involved that way. And uh, the main competition though with the hascap is you can have birds or rodents really like the fruit. So you've got some competition there once they fruit um, with keeping just birds and rodents off it. However, if you are looking for ways to incorporate that fantastic nutrition, you want a low maintenance perennial garden, you just, you need to get hascap bushes. Um, if you're thinking of getting them, you do need several plants. Uh, the plants cannot pollinate itself. So it does need what's called a pollinizer plant. So a plant that carries the pollen. Um, so you do need several plants. And to ensure a good successful pollination, they actually work best if you have different varieties that are cross compatible and that will ensure pollination of one another. Um, so for example, I'm thinking of the modern varieties here. Uh, Borealis is a modern variety and it's compatible to cross pollinate with Aurora. So planting a combo of these can help ensure that you set your Hascap set a lot of fruit and you get a lot of fruit off them. There is actually a really cool um, information page and chart by the University of University U of Sask. So I will put a link in the notes for you to check out. They actually were their fruit breeding program. Of course, they try to breed like cold hardy fruits for the prairies. And they were actually the, the sort of steers of the um, modern cultivar varieties that we see in Canada of the Hascap. So they've kind of steered that ship and they have really good tips and a chart where you can look at all the different varieties and how they cross pollinate with one another. So I will leave that in the show notes if you are interested in checking it out. And then once you harvest, if you want to preserve the fruit, of course, you can eat it fresh and just enjoy it fresh. But they really work well dried. Um, they're fantastic if you want to preserve them and dry them. They make great wine and they're really good in ice cream or jam. So I cannot recommend this plant enough. If you are unsure of the taste, I do highly suggest trying a U-Pick first or buying it at a farmer's market to try. Pick some up there. There's actually a stand at my local farmer's market and they make Hascap ice cream and it's so good. Um, so definitely if you are unsure, if you do want it, have a look, um, see if it works for you in your garden, go try some, see if you can find them. And you know, I really struggle to find these though at the grocery store, despite their popularity and their growing popularity and how easy to grow here. I'm still shocked that 
you know, I don't see them in grocery stores. They're not like one of the mainstream few berries. You know, we get strawberries, raspberries, blueberries. But these things are not, well, Saskatoon's too. You don't get them at the grocery store. And, you know, I'm just, they're so easy to grow here. And I just think we are missing out on such a good opportunity to increase our local food dependence and resiliency by getting more people on board with eating these local native berries, right? That can grow here. So yeah, they're hard to find at the grocery store unless you have, that's really cool. Um, but I have yet to find them there. So if I have wanted to go purchase Hasgaps, if I want more than what I can get off mine, um, shrubs, then I go to a U-Pick or the farmer's market to get some. So thank you for listening so much. Um, you know, I really appreciate all our listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's show. It was a pretty short, brief show. I just really wanted to highlight this fantastic um, plant that I really recommend you get in your yard. If your interest about this hardy native food source is piqued, then um, I can also uh, link some places where you could purchase your shrubs in the show notes so I will do that I don't get anything for that they're not an advert for this podcast I'm just they're good places to go buy them from um if you want to connect with me you can follow my instagram at the underscore northern underscore grower or email me at the northern grower podcast at gmail.com or check out our seed store we do we save seeds we have small seeds selection over at greenwitchseed.ca and I will put my link tree though in the show notes as well so you can check out all of the links that I have um, I really appreciate people who um, leave a leave a review that's awesome on iTunes Apple Podcasts um, and I have been kind of out of it with the podcast. Um, the last few months of my life have just been very busy, quite overwhelming. The podcast took a back seat, um, but I'm hoping to get back to a once weekly update. So that should be coming over the next couple months, a new episode every week. And thank you again. And I hope your garden and growing season is going well. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>